BGMC. Can anybody besides Judy tell me? Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade. And he said, well, what in the world? We give money to missions, and, and you know, there's, matter of fact, you know, every month, you know, usually it's the first Sunday of the month, but because of the schedules, uh, we're doing it today. And uh, why do we why do we do this? And when we have a whole bunch of kids, I think it's fun. We'll send the kids out and let them collect change from you, and that's just awesome. I mean, you know, how do you how do you tell some smiling little bright eyed child? No, I'm not giving you any money. You know, so it's, it's just awesome. They'll go get your change. They'll get your dollars. They'll, they'll take your whole bill full. It didn't matter. No, I didn't. Want it. But. It, it is actually, I mean, that money is used to buy the book materials. It's used to buy many times a, like a, a simple PA system, a portable PA system. It's used to buy all kinds of things that our missionaries would really either have to do without or they could just skip, you know, eating for a week and then they could afford to buy it. Something like that. But it's a blessing, y'all. And so uh, this is kind of why we do that. How are we going to do it this morning? Well, Lily's going to do it. All right, Lily's going to do it. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! All right. Uh, we're, we're about, uh, well, we're a little off of our schedule. We're trying to give $1,000 a year. And we're going to see this is our fourth, fifth month. And we're not quite halfway there, so if you can dig a little deeper this morning and give Lily all the money you got or something... Yeah, that'd be good. Well, Lily's don't come collect money from here in a second. Why don't you take that big bucket and just hold it in front of them? That'll work. work. You give a dollar, you give a check, you give a 20. Whatever you've got. Go ahead and play something.
phone, hold your phone up, e-version or tree version, say it with me, this is my Bible, it's God's holy word, I am what it says I am, I can have what it says I can have, so I boldly confess, my mind is renewed, my body is healed, I'm saved by God's grace, and live by His Spirit. Amen. C.S. Lewis, some of you'll know who that is. He wrote a book quite a while back. Uh, it's kind of a, it, it was supposed to be a series of letters. It's called the Screw Tape Letters. And if you're familiar with C.S. Lewis, he had a, he, he had an interesting mind, an interesting wit. And, uh, the book was actually, or the letters were supposed to be from the devil to his nephew. So the devil was called Screwtape, and his nephew was called Wormwood. And in that book, basically, it was this dialogue between them of how do you best work against these people to keep them where you can keep them under demonic control and Keep them the way you want to have. I'm going to give you just a real short quote out of that book. The devil writing to his nephew said, There are two equal and opposite eras into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And I thought this morning I would just kind of answer a question that nobody's asking, but you probably would ask it if you could. You know, why in the world preach about the devil? You know, Pastor, we're not supposed to focus on the devil. We're supposed to focus on God. You know, so uh, I, I don't think you ought to be just preaching about the devil and, and, and demons or anything like that. And uh, so, you know, Pastor, why, why in the world would you preach on something like that? Well, I agree with you. I think our focus needs to be on God. Let's see. I've been here since 2019, and this is the first sermon that I've actually preached on this. I don't think I'm exactly focusing on it. Amen. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 6, 11. I would not have you ignorant. Now, that's a totally different context in that scripture where he's going. But there's a principle involved in that. God doesn't want us ignorant of Satan's, you can use the word wiles, devices, schemes, his temptations. God wants us to know how to overcome. Somebody say amen. amen. <coughs> Jesus himself warned us several times in Matthew 24 
be not deceived. Why would Jesus say that? Because there's a deceiver loose in this world. Listen to this out of Ephesians chapter 2. It's in the New Living Translation. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Do you catch that? All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. You know, the Bible calls Satan the God of this world, or the little G's way I put that. He's the commander of evil forces, the spirits in the unseen spirit world. Satan controls everything and everyone that is not submitted to Jesus Christ. We'll say that again. He controls everything and everyone that is not submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you don't want us ignorant. And Lord, that you are bringing us into a place where we can walk in victory. And Father, I thank you that the enemy has no hold, that every control he had, every, every bondage that he had, in this presence right now is broken in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for what you're getting ready to do in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to help you with a couple of things here because the title of my message is Knowing Your Enemy. Number one thing you need to know is Satan is not somewhere in hell. There's, always, there, there's this goofy cartoonish kind of idea that, well, you know, Satan's got this headquarters down in this fiery place down in hell and, and he goes back and forth and, and, and does stuff like that. No, he's not in hell. Satan's loose on planet Earth. When Satan does go into Hades, into hell, it will be a place of bondage and it will be a place of eternal torment. You know, hell was not created for people. The Bible says that says it was created for Satan and his demons. People are going to go not because God sent them there. I've heard that so many times and you just kind of want to, you know, you, you don't know the Bible. The Bible never says God sends anyone to hell. God has done everything to redeem mankind from hell. People will go to hell because they reject the salvation that's there. Remember the old story about the man that was in the flood? And he was praying, you know, God, I need you to deliver me from the flood. Finally, the water got so high, he's on top of his house. And he's saying, God, I need you to deliver me from the flood. And this motorboat comes by and, and they say, get in the boat with us. And he said, no, I believe God's going to deliver me from this flood. And then after the water's getting higher and higher, and now it's up around his ankles at the top of the roof. And the helicopter comes by and says, we'll lower you a ladder. And he said, no, God's going to deliver me. And then he drowned. 
And he got up to the pearly gates and he said, why didn't God deliver me? And God said, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. Some of you just needed something to smile about a little bit. Amen. Satan is loose on planet Earth. And I believe, not only believe, but we are experiencing that there is an increase in satanic or Luciferian worship. Our world, even America, is becoming more and more pagan. The Arch of Baal has appeared in New York City. And Frida, there's a slide back there. I think it's labeled that, the Arch of Baal. You say, where in the world did that come from? This is not the original Arch of Baal to the Temple of Baal that was in the Middle East, but it is a replica of it. And you say to yourself, why in the world would somebody make a replica of the entrance arch that everyone would go in to go into to worship a demonic idol called Baal. Baal is all through the Old Testament. He's the one that was supposed to protect the, the people. He was the one who was supposed to be the destroyer. He was the one that was supposed to be in control of, of good harvests. In other words, wealth. But he's also the one that they would sacrifice their babies to. And I want to just tell you, I mean, New York City is the abortion capital of the world. Why would they put the Arch of Baal there? Because there is an increase in the worship, in the following, after demon spirits. There's one other thing that has also appeared in New York City. And if you'll put that up, I think it's called Kali on that slide right there, Freedom. Kali is a Hindu goddess of time, change, and destruction. He said, well, where in the world did that come from? That is the Empire State Building lit up. This wasn't very... It wasn't last week or something. It's, it's been a, a little bit of time that's gone by. You can turn that off. I don't like looking at it. Think about that. A Hindu goddess of time, change. Where have we heard that word change a lot? And destruction. I'm talking about there's a lot of satanic worship and an increase in satanic activity. Anarchy is erupting in our streets. Very recently, we've had where hundreds, I'm not talking about a dozen or two, hundreds of teenagers have run through the streets of some of our major cities, destroying everything in their path. It's like a herd of locusts from the biblical Egyptian attack. And it you just kind of want to go, this, this is insane. But when we understand that there is a demonic influence in this world, y'all, you need to understand something. The gospel is what has been the restraint. The church has been the restraint. And we still are in a huge degree. But it's becoming less and less 
as society itself becomes more and more pagan and more and more evil and and we're, we're getting to the point where instead of it being where almost anybody and everybody at least has some form of well you know i i know there's really a god and i know that you know we we need to live right and we, we need to to do certain things right i mean it used to be churches could be left unlocked 24 7 and if somebody just wanted to walk in off the street nobody there and just go find a place at an altar and just pray and, and just seek the seek the face of God. They could do it. But anymore, you can't leave church buildings unlocked. We live in a totally different kind of society. You know, we have mass shootings in schools and other places. I'll say more about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll say more about that later. I mean, all of the stuff that's happening in society right now, showing just the the, the, the downward spiral that we're in, People say, well, why do all these things happen? Every time there's one of these shootings, whether it's at a church, a school, uh, they're happening all over the place. The news media, you ever notice, uh, we're looking for the motive. There is no motive. It's just demons. And I don't think you're going to hear that off the news. A verse of Scripture, it ought to be very familiar to you. John 10, 10 says, the thief cometh not but for to steal say it out loud steal, steal. to kill steal. to destroy hmm the, th the only reason Satan shows up is to steal to kill and to destroy but the rest of that verse says Jesus said I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly I'm going to throw a little bit of good news in here Although the devil is working overtime because he knows his time is short, Jesus himself is working and he's the one that says, I give you abundant, overflowing. Matter of fact, let me read this to you from the Amplified Bible. The thief comes only in order to steal and destroy. I come that they might have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And I'll just remind you, we've talked about that before. That's, that's where we got the name for this church. We didn't just, you know, go on the internet and what's a catchy phrase and all that. God gave us 10, John 10, 10, and full life fellowship means we have eternal life. We have abundant life in Jesus Christ. He is the hope. Somebody ought to say amen. He's our hope. Amen. So Satan's agenda is always to, to steal to kill, and to destroy. So what do we really need to know about this enemy that we have? What do we really need to know? Well, one of the first things you need to know is Satan wants to make us slaves to sin. Satan was kicked out of the garden. Satan was kicked out of heaven itself. So he just roams the earth. The Bible says as. He's not a roaring lion. There's only one lion. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's Jesus. But Satan roams about as a roaring lion. Seeking whom he might devour. He can't devour everybody. But he's seeking those. That he can deceive and that he can devour. And he wants to make us slaves to sin. 
Romans 6, 12 through 13 says this. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Let me give you an English lesson here. The understood subject of a sentence like that is you do not let. You do not let. Sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We're the ones that have control by the Spirit of God over ourselves and over our thoughts and over our, what we do and how we do it. We're able to control ourselves. We're able to have, you know, the Bible, Bible says one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Somebody say amen. I'm preaching good. Galatians 5.5 5 says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. You realize we have liberty in Jesus? We have freedom in Jesus. Liberty. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherefore Christ, or wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What bondage? The bondage of sin. So Satan, first of all, wants to just make us just slaves to sin. Y'all, we don't have to be slaves to sin. You realize the Bible says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt, no, no, no bad feelings. To those that are in Christ, that means you've been saved. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That means you're following after God. Well, how do I walk in the Spirit, Pastor? Well, one of the first things you start doing is you read in this book and it says, Oh, uh, let no filthy communication come out of your mouth. Oh, lust not after. (laughs) Oh, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Hmm. Maybe that's a good place to start walking in the Spirit. Amen? (laughs) So, what do we need to know? Well, if we know that Satan wants to make us a slave to sin, and we know that Jesus will set us free from sin, you know, in the Old Testament, the prophet said, you choose life, or you can choose death. Amen? Another thing we need to know is that Demons are spirit beings and they have intelligence and personality. They're they're not just some disembodied force. Just letting that soak in for a second. Demons can cause physical illness or infirmity. Now let me say this, not every sickness or infirmity is caused by demonic activity. I guess if you go back to the very root of all sickness it came because of sin in the Garden of Eden. But demons can literally bring, bring about sickness. There's, there's places all through the New Testament where like Jesus would, you know, uh, a woman was bowed over. And, and he said, ought not this woman be loosed who's a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound. All these many years. And then there'd be times when there'd be a a, a demon that would actually be present tormenting the physical body. And and maybe that would cause deafness or muteness 
whatever it was. But you find that all through the all through the, the, the New Testament where Jesus does that. Demons also are territorial. In other words, I believe that demons basically there's there's a region that they're in, and I think they want to stay in that region. I think there's reasons for that. Don't have time to win all of that sort of thing. But demons are terrible. Remember the story in the old in the in the New Testament where uh, Jesus and his disciples went all the way across the Lake Sea of Galilee, and they went into the the region of Gadara, and the Bible talks about. A man there that was possessed by a legion of demons. Now, a legion could have been at least 2,000 demons. And the Bible says that, you know, immediately, you know, Jesus began to confront them. And, and of course, they, they knew exactly who he was. And, and he had this whole dialogue where, you know, the demon said, well, you know, don't, don't command us to go into desert places or desolate places. Let us go into the pigs. And so there was a whole lot of bacon run that day. <laughs> and, and, and so Jesus released them. They went into the pigs. There was this huge herd of pigs. And, and then the pigs ran into the Sea of Galilee and all of them drowned. Now, maybe you've never really thought about that. But I want you to understand something. Demons can't do anything unless they've got a body to inhabit. And they don't really want to be in an animal. And if you notice, the animal goes insane. Well, what in the world do they do to people? Hmm, just another little thought for you. But when those demons cause those pigs to run into the water and be drowned, what did that do? It released the demons out of those pigs. And where would they go? Well, if you do just a little bit of research... The area of Gadara where that man was, where he was in those, uh, the tombs and, and living just in, a, I mean, cutting himself and yelling and screaming. And in other words, he had gone insane because of all the demons that were influencing him and moving him until Jesus set him free. Somebody say, thank God for Jesus. But that man, the... the the area where he was, it's called the Decapolis. And about the best way I can put it, just think of somewhere like the St. Louis area or Jefferson City area. Or if you want to think of other places, you can think of Dallas, Fort Worth, that kind of thing. It's multiple cities that were all together. It was really basically about 10 cities all combined together. So it was an ancient metroplex. And I don't know whether you realize it or not, but cities are places where Satan loves to just pull all the junk together. And Satan loves to get people fighting each other and, and just every kind of sin and vice. People feel anonymous when there's huge crowds. Hmm. But the thing you need to understand, demons are territorial. They wanted to be in there where they could go find somebody else to torment so demons are territorial. They want to have a body to live in. And demons possess people. They desire a body. I just said that. They can't really be effective in any way on this earth without a physical 
connection, a physical body. In Luke 4.41 says the devils also came out of many crying out and saying thou art Christ the Son of God. And he rebuking them suffered them not to speak for they knew he was Christ. The point I was getting out of that scripture is there were many that were demon possessed in that day. Now, there's a couple of things I want to throw to you so you, you don't walk out of here going, oh my goodness, man, there's demons everywhere. And I mean, I'm liable to get possessed by a devil if I'm not real careful. Uh, demons can't possess a believer. Now, if you're not saved, I'd, I'd be running to an altar. Demons can't possess somebody who's a Christian. Now, can they torment them? Can they oppress many times? Can they use other people to come against somebody who's a believer? They do that. But you cannot be possessed by God and the devil at the same time. Somebody say amen. amen. And the thing I think we need to understand is, you know, through Christ we have that liberty and we have that victory to overcome them. But we need to understand that this is always something that Satan's wanting. That's why Satan, I mean, there, there's no such thing as, well, I'm just going to kind of be just a little bit in sin. I mean, that's being like, well, I'm, I'm just going to be just a little bit pregnant. <laughs> it don't work that way. It will fulfill a specific thing that will happen. Uh, you <laughs> know where that example came from. But the whole point is, is you know, there's no such thing as kind of neutral ground and all that sort of thing. I mean, you're either on God's side or the devil's side. And Satan wants to destroy us. Why does Satan want to destroy us? Because he's battling against God and Satan can't last a split second before God himself. So what he does is he attacks that that is in the image of God and that's humanity. Somebody say amen. But we've got the victory. Now, I believe this. I believe the Bible teaches in the last days that demonic activity will increase. Listen to me. With the promotion of the occult, the immorality, the violence that we're seeing, and it's all taking place in our nightly news if you're watching. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus himself said there would be false Christs, false prophets, and they would even show signs and wonders. You say in pastor that, you know, the, the, the really demons can do supernatural things. Sure they can. Satan's a supernatural being. The demons are, are, are spiritual, supernatural being. And if there's a door that's open to them through some sort of a cult practice or, or just through a, a rejection of the gospel of Jesus, I guarantee you they'll, they'll you know, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. You let the door crack open just a little bit and they'll kick it open the rest of the way if they possibly can. You know, a lot of restraint is being removed. The entrance of the gospel into this world brought restraint against the demonic spirits that are loose in this world. And that's why you've had, we've had generations now where really we, we have not seen the, the thing. Uh, stop and think of what was going on when Jesus was walking the streets of Israel and Jerusalem. And it shouldn't have been that way. 
But because of the corruption, because of the sin, because Israel itself had pretty much rejected their God, even though they had an outward uh, religious appearance, they had for the most part rejected their God, and they did reject their own Messiah when he came. And, you know, there, there was demonic activity all over the nation of Israel. I mean, how many times, and just go through it. When you go home today and you say, well, I want to read a little bit in my Bible, just start going through the Gospels and just start marking the places where Jesus cast out devils. Hmm. It's all through the New Testament. And if it's in there that often, that prevalent, you know, the Bible itself says that if all of the things Jesus did were written down, the world wouldn't contain the books so we're just getting a small amount of it. And yet it's just all through the New Testament. Y'all, the more that the world is pagan, the more that the world does away with, with really seeking after God and <coughs> serving God, the more the restraint is lifted. The more the restraint is lifted. <coughs> so, you know, I believe that the closer we get to the second coming, which is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24, <coughs> there's going to be a greater intensity of Satanism, spiritism, the occult, demon possession. And in the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us that in that seven-year period, there will be demon spirits loose that before had been bound or restrained. And so I believe the Bible's telling us that the closer we draw, the more intense and frequent, <coughs> excuse me, demonic activity is going to wind up being. You know, you need to be here on Wednesday nights. Because you need to know how to put on the full armor of God. You need to know what the full armor of God is. There's a lot of people waiting until they get to heaven. I'm going to have on God's armor. What for? No enemies up there. Amen. Going to be walking around on golden streets, scarring up the golden streets with your combat boots. Okay. You know, there is an increase in this world. And again, it goes back to what's taking place in our world. The world now views Christians as evil. And it views drag queen shows and the mutilation of children and youth with the trans agenda as good. Did I just say that? I did. Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. Called good evil and evil good. You know, I got to, to looking at one scripture. It's in Matthew 12, 43-45. And it just basically, it's where the Lord is teaching. And he's, he, he talks about, you know, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man. That unclean spirit goes into dry places and seek rest and can't find it. 
So that unclean spirit says, well, I'll go back to where I was. And he finds the house clean and swept and empty. And the Bible says that that unclean spirit takes seven other demons more wicked than himself and enters in. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it also be to this wicked generation. And I believe this, church, that can be true for a person or it can be true for a nation. And there's been a time where our nation was, for the most part, society was swept and clean and most people had at least an outward fear of God, even if they weren't saved, even if they weren't really living a life as a, as a born-again believer. That was society. But now we've kicked God out of our schools. And instead of having problems like kids chewing gum and running in the halls, the problems we have in schools now are drugs, rape, killing. We kick God out of our government. Now we have a government that is corrupt. We've kicked God out of our family circles. Things like having a family altar, praying over meals is ignored. And we wonder why society is collapsing. And now you're sitting there and you're saying, Pastor... I don't feel just exactly encouraged right now. Well, let's shift just a little bit. Y'all, we have redemption and salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have victory over sin, sickness, the devil himself. And let's face it, most of us have never met Satan himself. Satan can't be everywhere at once. He's got little demons that run around and they're limited. He doesn't have an unlimited number of them. But you know, the devil himself is not present everywhere at the same time. And we sometimes get this concept of, oh, the devil is so big and the devil's so, oh, I'm scared of the devil. You don't need to be scared of the devil. If you knew the truth as a born again believer, Satan is frightened to death of you. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, 12 through 16, He said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. This was Satan's pride. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, or angels of God. I will... Set also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Satan thought he could be God. But listen what God says. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They shall see, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms. Do you realize that God is saying that there's going to come a time when as a believer we're going to be able to really see Satan as he really is and instead of him being a 10 foot giant and to us being something that's the most 
frightening thing in the world. We're going to look down on him and we're going to go, is that what I was afraid of? You've got to be kidding me. That's a Wilson paraphrase. But that's what that's saying. There's going to come a time when we're going to realize this is all Satan's God. That was the best thing. That was the best he had. He, he, he put his best shot and it wasn't good enough. Because Jesus took from him the, the, the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And y'all, God is telling you and he's telling me this morning that, you know, yes, there is an enemy. Yes, you need to understand how his tricks work. You need to understand that he's going to come against your mind the same way he came against Jesus. And he's going to tempt you in every way possible. And he's going to use the lust of the flesh. He's going to use just desires and things that you can see. And he's going to use things that you'll hear. And he's going to have all these things. And he's going to come against you. But what God wants you to understand is that we have a way of escape. Number one, it's being born again. That we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And once you're born again, you don't have to fall to anything the devil throws at you. With every temptation, the Bible says, God makes a way of escape. Not part of the temptations. Not, well, some of the time God gets you out of it. But with every temptation, God makes a way of escape. And all we've got to do is follow after God. And as we follow after God and as we control what we set our minds on, as we control what we set our eyes on, as we control what we listen to, and as we serve and, and, and seek the face of God, I guarantee you the devil doesn't have any place in you. You say, yeah, but look what's going on in the world. Yeah. Well, what, what, what might happen to me? I mean, there could be all kinds of bad things happen to you. No, the only worst thing that could happen to you is you get killed. If you get killed, the Bible says to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Now, if you think that's bad, you need to come back to the altar. Amen? I mean, you can't lose for winning. Somebody needed that. The weakest Christian has authority over demons and authority over Satan himself. You know, Jesus said, and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing that, but in Mark chapter 16, it's the way Mark quoted that great commission to go out and preach the gospel. But he said to us that, you know, God's given us his authority. And you can, you can tread on serpents and scorpions. The enemy has no power over you. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And you'll even cast out devils. Satan trembles when the weakest Christian gets on their knees. Will you stand with me, please? There are some of you that are in this room and there may be later someone listening to this message. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You've tried everything else and it fails. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And the devil will throw every kind of thought into your head. What will people think of me? If they're saved, they're going to shout with joy. If they're not, they need to be in front of you at the altar. But don't worry about people. 
You need to come. Why do I need to step out and come forward? Jesus said, if you deny me publicly, I'll deny you before my Father. I don't think that's idle. I think there's something about the fact that, number one, we can't be a private believer, private Christian. We did our sin in public. We need to live for God publicly. And right now, this morning, if you know in your heart that you're not ready to meet God, that you're not living for God, the greatest joy for us as believers, the greatest joy in heaven, because the Bible says that the angels rejoice. I mean, they throw a party when somebody gets saved. You need to come and accept Jesus as Savior. And if you felt like that there was a demonic attack against you, against your family, I want to invite you to come. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the curse causeless shall not light. Satan can't curse what God's already blessed. That's a whole nother song. So maybe you need to come and receive the Lord. Maybe you need to come because you've been fearful of the enemy. You've been under attack. You've yielded to sin. Come for yourself. Come for your family. Better give you an invitation to come. Right now, this altar is open for anybody who would come because there is victory in Jesus Christ. Will you come?